First Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 4, he says this. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by, G- by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. <clears throat> Listen to this. Verse 7. So that you come short in no gift eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you come short in no gift. He said, you're enriched in everything by him and all utterance and all knowledge. He goes on to say, uh, verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame those which are mighty. And the base things of the world, the things which are despised, uh, which are despised by God, has chosen, and the, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Verse 30, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 30, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, listen to this, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He said, Christ has become for you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He's become for you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And what he's saying is when God sees you, he sees you right with him. He said, we have, we read earlier, we have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2. He goes into that. <clears throat> but listen to this. Here's where I wanted to get. <clears throat> verse two, chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of, of power. Why did he say that? Let's keep reading. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Jesus said in Matthew 28, All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore. And he told him in Acts, but go wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. Acts 1.8, right? You be endued with what? Power. He said, go wait until you be endued with power. We see Paul in his ministry. <clears throat> I think he says here, I came to you in fear and trembling. Because Paul had come to the Gentiles before, the Greeks at Mars Hill. And he had come, and the way that he came was with enticing. He went to... In, to uh, I don't want to say argue, but to, to debate with them. Because Paul was a scholar of the scholars, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, right? And he said those, the, the, G, the, uh, the Gentiles, the Greeks, they're always wanting to gain knowledge. They're always wanting to gain knowledge. So Paul went at Mars Hill, and he talked to him at Mars Hill, and it didn't fare well. 
because all they did is debate and nothing came out of it. And Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what precedes him saying that we haven't seen Eyes not seen, nor ear heard, neither in the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them. But God has revealed them to us. How? By His Spirit. Who is this Spirit? He's Holy Spirit. What does He bring with Him? He brings power. Now, where we can get dis, uh, dis, disillusioned in that is we think power just looks a certain way. We can think power just looks that someone got healed or someone got delivered or or, uh, a, you know, something in that aspect. But power means that you're not under and you're not behind in anything. He said, I've given you power, I've given you authority in my name. So that you're not, that's where, uh, even speaking of the grace of God, that when you're under grace, understanding that God is the one who supplies it all, that you are not <clears throat> under sin. You're not held down by sin because the greater one lives on the inside of you. See, he's given us power on the inside of us to overcome addictions and strongholds, wrong beliefs. <laughs> Amen. He's given us power. If we don't understand that power that's in us to set us free, we won't see the captive set free. Because we'll be so consumed with what's going on in my world that we'll never see that power. And it's, uh, you know, I don't want to wear it out, but it's the truth. The, the uh, analogy that, Stephen gave and that, that Tish has given before when she shared about the piece of paper with the dot in it. It's so easy to look at the dot and get distracted by the dot and miss the paper. It's so easy to have this going on in your life and not see the God who's bigger than this. And when you're, when you're consumed with this, you can't see the power that's already overcome that. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Period. <laughs> not in this situation, but not in that situation. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Period. Over the past few weeks, one of the passages I've really been meditating on, Matthew 14, 23 through 33. And when he, had, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up, to a, up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was, was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. This doesn't do it justice, but this, is, this picture on the screen is the Sea of Galilee. Uh, when I was in Israel, this was the day that we were supposed to go out on the water and we couldn't. As I said, we're a good distance away from it, so you can't really tell how choppy the water is. Now, this isn't the storm that they were in, but we also have the picture, and I didn't tell her to get it ready, so I don't know. The picture that we show a lot with the boat. Uh, Diana, you can get that. It's in the pictures. 
It's the boat, and you see the, the sea out that's really, that's really smooth. That's, that's the same. That's the Sea of Galilee the next day. That's the difference. That's not in comparison to what was going on when they were there, all right? I'm not saying that, that it was just as choppy as it was that day, but they, would, they made us postpone our trip because they said it doesn't look that bad. When you get out there, the, the, it'll beat you because they're so close together, and it's just like this. And it can get stronger easily when the wind comes down because it sits in, the, in the, like a valley. It sits between these mountains. <clears throat> and the winds can come in, and it can be uh, tumultuous just like that, at the snap of a finger that can, it can shift. But this was the next day. So there's, a different, there's quite a difference in that. That's just smooth. The, the only ripples in that water are from the boat. It's not from the water moving. The ripples in the water are from us going across the lake. And we're actually, in this picture, going towards where the other picture was taken. So, like the people on that side of the room looking at me this way, that's the way the boat's going. The picture that I took with the waves is looking at you this way. You with me? On two different sides of the... <clears throat> not that that matters, but I just wanted you to know that. And it says, <clears throat> They were in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves... For the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Verse 20, 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. <laughs> They're in a boat. They're in a storm. And we can sound all spiritual. Right? Right? They're in a boat, they're in a storm, and they look up and somebody's walking to them. <laughs> I don't care who you are. I don't care how big and bad you think you are. You'd have done a neck up, a checkup from the neck up, and you might have been swimming on the other side of the boat. <laughs> so we can, we can condemn the, the 11 who stayed in the boat that only Peter got out, but I dare say there might be some who weren't even still in the boat. They would have, they would have taken their chance with the weather to swim back because when they saw someone walking on the water, there's nothing natural about that. Nothing normal. The storm was normal. The, the tumultuous sea, the, the wind, that's all normal. But someone walking on top of it, not normal. But Jesus responds to them, says they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying... Be of good cheer. Now, here's where we can miss it. He didn't just say, be of good cheer. If your Bible has punctuation in it, at the end of cheer is an exclamation point. So it's not a suggestion. He's saying, be of good cheer. Not, hey, guys, ease up, it'll be all right. No, he's, he's giving them... Command sounds strong, but he's telling them, be of good cheer. He's saying it with authority and purpose. He said, it is I, do not be afraid. Be of good cheer. Why should I be of good cheer? Because it's me. Because I'm here. (laughs) You know what's so cool about that? I don't care what storm we're in. If we understand he's here, we can be of good cheer. Because he's bigger than the dot. He's bigger than the dot. 
but we have to set our eye and say, what are you talking about? You're talking about power. I'm telling you, it takes sometimes the power of God for you to get your eyes off of you and on truth. Because everything in the natural, everything in your understanding, your reasoning, says, look at the dot. The dot's what's presented itself. The dot's what's right in the center. And the Lord is saying, don't look at the dot. Look at me. I'm bigger than the dot. If you notice, I'm all around the dot. Be of good cheer. Why be of good cheer? It's I. It's him. He's the one that speaks to the winds and the waves. As I said in Mark chapter 4, it, Jesus came walking to them and they, they were, he, no, in Mark 4 is when they got in the boat. He said, let's go to the other side. And as they were in the boat, you know, this is, Steve and I were talking about this the other day. I think this is just amazing. He's in the boat with them, right, in Mark 4. He said, let's go to the other side. So he told them where they were going. Do we ever pay attention to that? I mean, really, when the Lord gives, if it's a prophetic word or what, if it's a word from the word, when he, when he makes a truth alive on the inside of us, it's so easy to get distracted if we think we're not going to see that thing come to pass. Jesus is with them in Mark 4 in the boat. He's asleep. And this was just, I've, I've read that over and over and over again. That's what I tell you. When you fall in love with the word and you're reading it not to get a word, you're reading it just to see Jesus. The thing that was so beautiful as I was reading this is just the reality of this. And I know this isn't going to catch you off guard and be a great shock to you. But Jesus was with them in the boat. They woke him up to tell him he was going to drown. He was asleep in the boat with them. And they said, Jesus, you need to know we're going to die. He was asleep. He wasn't worried. <laughs> I know y'all ain't never been there. But you got some good friends that want you to know that there's water in your boat. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. <laughs> You'll have those good friends. Job had some who wants you to see the water in your boat instead of you realizing that Jesus is in there with you. They want you to focus on the water, and they want you to focus on what's going on. But Jesus was in the boat. Wow. I read that, and I'm just, it just ignited on the inside of me. They woke him up to tell him he was going to die. Was he worried? No. He was sleeping. He knew he wasn't going to die. He knew they were going to the other side. But they were so distracted, they didn't even realize that Jesus, they had seen these miracles, that Jesus had told them, we're going to the other side. And they woke him up to tell him he was going to die. I mean, that's just funny to me. Well, I would say it would be funny if it wasn't so real. Even in my own life, the times I've woke Jesus up to tell him we were going to die. <laughs> Jesus said, we're going to make it through this one. He said, I've given you power. I have given you power. Jesus woke up. He spoke to the wind and the waves. He said, peace, be still. And everything went like this. Whew. And they looked at each other. It's like, dang. 
what kind of guy is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now, they had seen demonic spirits obey him. They had seen physical bodies obey him. But now nature itself, nature itself. You know what's so amazing? This same group of people. Look, I just want us to identify with them. I don't want us to look at a ju- with an eye of judgment. I want us to identify with them. This same group of people, as you continue to read in the Gospels, you see that he feeds the 5,000. And then he, the time comes that he's, there's the need to feed the 4,000 who've been with him. And they go to Jesus and they go, Jesus, what are we going to do? I'm like, really? How many times have I done that? Y'all don't hear me. How many times have we seen the Lord bring us through and then something new presents itself and we go, Jesus, how are we going to do it? What are we going to do this time? There's a dot on my paper. It was a clean sheet of paper, and now there's a dot. It's not a big dot, but there's a dot on my paper. What am I going to do? I won't ever forget when John uh, was taking motorcycle classes, training classes, to get his license so that when he went to Africa, he could ride a motorcycle. I don't know that the classes really helped him with anything over in Africa because <laughs> we have pavement. They don't. <laughs> he should have taken a motocross class. That would have made him more prepared for what he was riding in over there. But one of the things he said that was just so powerful is he talked about when riding a bike, and it's a, a motorcycle. He said one of the things that causes more accidents than anything is tar- target fixation. He said if a car pulls out in front of you, you get fixed on the target instead of the way out. And he said what's dangerous, you, you're going to go where your eyes are. If a truck pulls out in front of you, if a dog runs out in front of you, you look at the dog, you can go, I don't want to hit the dog, I don't want to hit the dog, I don't want to hit the dog. Guess what you're going to do? Hit the dog. How many of you, yesterday, I took my wife, I brought my wife here at nine something in the morning, nine o'clock, it was right at nine o'clock in the morning for the ladies thing. I was back towards my house before 11, right in the middle of the road on the yellow line, not quite flat yet, and the middle was a, was a groundhog. In the middle of the road on the yellow line, who drives on the yellow line? We don't, we drive in lanes. His demise was target fixation. That dead groundhog in the middle of the road got hit in the middle of the road because we were like, I don't want to hit him, I don't want to hit him, I don't want to hit him. Boom, hit him. He was laying out like this. He was gone. Gone. Because someone got target fixation. Poor fella could be in the ground right now digging instead of dead. Oh, let's take a moment for the groundhog. <laughs> but in the middle of the road, how many of you have ever seen a dead possum in the middle of the road? They're almost always right on the yellow line, aren't they? All right, I'll leave that alone. Anyway, we can get so fixed on that. But the opposite is true. We can get fixed on a target as bad as that can be. We can also get fixed on a target, being Jesus. And when stuff's going on around, we don't eat. People go, you must be crazy that you don't see what's going on around you. I, I remember reading of, uh, after Brother Kenneth Hagin, and he talked about when he, uh, when he was growing in the Lord, and 
he started Raymond Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But when he was first coming to see the truth of the Word of God, he said every time God would reveal the truth to him, he would just obey it with, confidence, with obedience right then. And uh, he said until he got to one where he said, uh, where the Bible says, uh, do not fear. And he said, you got to understand, I was a third-generation worrier. He said, my grandmother was still alive. She could worry like nobody's been. The wind could start blowing. She'd say, there in Oklahoma, it's going to be a hurricane. It's going to be a tornado, not a hurricane in Oklahoma. It's going to be a tornado. Get in the tornado shelter. You know, she would just freak out. He said, that was who she was. Then my mom, he said, she was just as bad. And he had this incurable, he had been diagnosed with incurable blood disease and heart disease. And uh, he said, when I read that scripture about do not fear, he said, I, I just said, that can't, I can't do that. There's no way I can not fear. And he said immediately, it was like the, the Bible just closed to him, and he couldn't, he couldn't read. He couldn't understand it because he had not accepted as truth what the Lord had revealed to him. And he said when he went back and, 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 and said, you know what, Lord, if you said have no fear, you said to cast the whole of your care over on you, which is not to be worried. He said the word says cast the whole of your care over him. Why? Because he cares for you. But if we have to roll that over, and that word cast there literally means to roll, like rolling a burden off your back. He said, roll the whole of your care over on him. And he said, when I said, all right, Lord, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to roll the care of everything over on you. He said he had person after person tell him that he must be crazy. Now, he had one person tell him he didn't have enough sense to know what was going on around him. He didn't have enough sense because if he did, he'd be worrying right now. He said, no, I got enough sense to know that I don't have to worry because he said to be, for me to give all my worry to him. So there may be people who think, well, you're just, you're, and here's, I am not talking about new age. I'm not saying to look at this and say, that's not a podium. That's not a podium. I will that not to be in a podium. You're not a podium. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is when we see the truth of the word of God, and it doesn't matter what we see contrary in the natural, we go, you know what? I believe the word of truth. I, I, I dare say, I dare say that there's not everyone in this room who is born again, there hasn't been a time when you go, man, I don't even know if I'm saved because I don't feel like it. Feel like it. But you know, the flip side of that, when I got saved, I got born again. I became a new creation, right? I was born into the family of God. There's, I, there's been days, and I don't even know how to really wrap my mind around this, but there have been days I, I got up, I didn't feel good. You know, I didn't just, not necessarily sick in my body, I just felt I was allowing cares of the world and things like that. But I didn't get up that day and go, I wonder if I'm still Todd Martin. Because Todd, he's the guy who smiles all the time. He's got more teeth than he does lips. I wonder if I'm still Todd Martin. Because Todd would be laughing right now, and I'm not laughing. I must not be Todd. I've never done that. Just so you know, if you're worried, I haven't ever done that. I haven't ever gotten up and said, am I Todd Martin? Because I know my identity. I know my dad is James Franklin Martin right there. I'm James Todd Martin. That's who I am. I, know, I haven't ever doubted who I am in the natural. But we'll allow the enemy to make us doubt who we are in the spirit. One... Because it comes from not spending time with our Father so we know who our Father is. Because we don't know the nature of our Father. See, I know the nature of my Father and I know the nature of my mother. 
If you don't know who they are, this, my dad's in the blue shirt. My mom's in the black right there with the cute little glasses on her head right in front of him. Here's their nature. They don't care if you like hugs and kisses. They don't care. They do not care if you like a hug and you like a kiss. You going to get one. That's their nature. They're going to hug you. They're going to kiss you. And you can just go, all right, that's a little awkward. They're going to do, you know what they're going to do the next time? They're going to hug you. And they're going to kiss you. So if you don't want hugging and kissing, you know what you do? You just have to, hey. They're still going to hug you. They're going to sneak up behind you and hug you. Mom, just come up behind you. I love you. Because that's their nature. That's who they are. But see, we don't understand how much our Father loves us. And when we don't understand how much He loves us, we can get in the mindset, well, I messed up, so He's mad at me. The wrath of God towards sin was fully fulfilled, satisfied in the body of Jesus. All your past, present, and future sins. And that doesn't give us an excuse to sin. That gives us freedom from sin. It says, because he's already paid for it, it has no authority in my life. I refuse to submit myself to it. Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Who presents your bodies? You present your bodies. What? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's the least we can do. And what? Don't be conformed to this world, but be what? Be ye transformed. Be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind that you might what? Prove. Oh, you got to do something. No, the word prove there means to make plain for all to see, to establish the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are the guardians of our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And our body will submit to your soul. So if you allow your soul, your mind, will, and emotions to worry and fear, your body will see the effects of that. I mean, they, they've created names for issues that deal with worry and fear. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, the majority, not all, I'm not saying all, I'm not a doctor, but I'm saying the, the majority of issues of irritable bowel syndrome are stress and fear and worry. Y'all never experienced that, right? You get, yesterday, we, I was on a call with the fire department, and uh, one of the police officers is a girl, and uh, she just got her taser. Well, one of the things for them to get their taser, guess what they get? Taste. So, and I'd seen her Friday, and I knew that yesterday was her day. I said, Jessica, have you been tased yet? Don't talk about it. No, I got to go home and get a different set of clothes, and then we're going to do it this afternoon. I said, uh, I said, so <laughs> that's not funny. <laughs> I said, so it's this afternoon. She said, don't talk about it. I get sick on my stomach just thinking about it. She said, I probably will right before they do it. You know why? Worry and fear on the inside. No, I wouldn't want to be tased either. I'm not sounding all macho. I'm saying nothing in me wants to get shot with those things. And that was the one. They used to want, you know, you can be like right there, and they go, <laughs> that's not fun. I'm sorry. But she had not been tased, nor was she in the threat or have a danger of being tased when I was talking to her. But her face went flush. 
Her hands got clammy, and she said, I feel nauseous on my stomach. You know where she was? In her mind, she was already in fear and worry of what she didn't know. And many times, that's where it comes in. Fear and worry comes in not in what we know, it's in what we don't know. You know, something happens, and you go, I wonder what that is. I wonder if it's this or if it's something worse or if it's that. And we allow our mind to take us down a place we shouldn't go. You know, I've, given, I've seen the acronym of fear, false evidence appearing real. And it's so easy to allow ourselves to go that way. Peter, let's go back to Peter in uh, Matthew. Jesus said in 27, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was boisterous. The wind boisterous. He was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Now, we always judge Peter, but what's so cool here, he knew what to do when things went south. Speaking of his feet, <laughs> they started going south. He immediately said, Lord, save me. It didn't say that he sunk. It said he was beginning to sink. That's Stephen pointed that out to me. I got to give him credit for that. That's why he's amening so much over here on the front. That's good right there. Beginning to sink. But here's the thing the Lord showed me in this. And that's why I had the other picture. You know what? If the water had looked like this, it's irrelevant. Peter could not walk on water in and of himself. He did not have the ability to do that. But in Jesus' command to come was the power to walk on water. So when Jesus said come, he, allowed, he put inside of Peter the power to divide the law of gravity. In his word, in the very word come, was the authority. Because Jesus said, all authority is given me in heaven and in earth. What did the disciples say when he, told, when he spoke to the winds and the waves? They said, be still. And they said, the winds and the waves obey him. So when he told Peter, come, inside of that word was the authority for Peter to do what God had told him to do. Now, if that's true for Peter, is the same true for us? Yes or no? If that was true, that when Jesus gave a word, inside of that word was the authority to do what he had give, told them to do. The same thing is true for us when he said, I've given you authority over sin. I've given you authority over sickness and disease. That's just the word, right? I've given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Don't fear. I have not given you a spirit of fear. So what does that mean? When the spirit of fear comes on, that means we need, we've got something we need to do. We need to recognize it. We need to recognize this isn't something from God. It isn't a gift from God. So I shouldn't, one, accept it, nor two, should I meditate on it, nor three, should I deal with it. I need to speak to it because it's not from him. I need to take authority over it and set my mind on him. And that thing that with Peter... <clears throat> Peter, when he stepped out on the water, he stepped out of the boat on the water. He did something no other man but Jesus has ever done. He walked on the water. But it wasn't because the, the waves were there or anything like that that he sank. It was because he chose to, ch to change his focus. 
he chose to change his focus. He went from looking at Jesus, who had told him to come, to looking at what was going on. And here's the deal. It was already going on before he stepped out. Right? There was a storm. They were in the boat. He came walking. He said, be of good cheer, command. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then Peter said, if it's you, (laughs) if it's you. Just think about that. The man standing on the water talking to him. And Peter said, if it's you. That's full of faith and power, isn't it? He's already full of fear and doubt. But when Jesus spoke, come, he focused on Jesus and something was awakened on the inside of him. And you know what? The same thing happens to us. When you read in this word and you see a truth, it goes from a logos, which is a written word, to a rhema, which is a spoken word. In Romans 10, it talks about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word, word, W-O-R-D, is rhema. Faith comes by the spoken word of God. So what does that mean? It's when you read the word and it's quickened on the inside of you and you feel the spirit of the living God say, that's for you for now. You know what happens on the inside of you? The authority to walk that word out is in there. But if we choose not to walk in it, you know what it does? It's just like the seed that fell on bad soil. It's just like the steward. Listen, I'm not going to go there because they've already talked about me this morning. Y'all pray for me. Talking about how many times I close. (laughs) But it's the parable. It's the parable of uh, the talents. He said there was one that he gave five, right? There's one that he gave, and there's one that he gave one. The five went out and did something with the five that he had. He said, I, you gave me five, I took the five, and I doubled it, and I brought back ten. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, you'll be ruler over much. The one with the two, he went out, he came back, and he said, I had two, now I have four. He said the exact same thing to the guy with two that he did with five. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. I'll make you ruler over much. He didn't, he didn't differentiate between the five and the two. But what he did say is you did something with it. The one with the one, he said, I went and hid it because I knew that you read. I mean, that was just, it was all the way around stupid. He said, and it, I knew that you reap where you didn't sow, so I took it and hid it so I wouldn't lose what I had. He said, if you knew I reap where I didn't sow, then you should have done something. At least put it in the bank where it could grow interest. Instead of throwing it in the ground where it couldn't do anything. That same thing is with the word. When we receive the word, if we don't do anything with it, if we don't do anything with it, it's, we don't give back what's been given in. When we don't act on it, it's not producing, it's acting on what's already been placed on the inside of us. And the, One of the ways that we do that is when we hear the word, we walk in obedience to the word. We receive that truth because I believe when Jesus speaks that word in your heart, that rhema word, when you're reading the word and that thing comes alive on the inside of you, it's quickened. He's quickened you for a purpose, to take that you've, what you've freely received and give it. And when we take what's been freely given to us and we just store it in our pocket, you know what happens? We just become religious. 
Because the next time we hear that truth, we go, yeah, Jesus told me that. I know that. We hear about whether it be anything, anything, whether it be uh, tithing. I know tithing. I know tithing. I've heard tithing. I understand tithing. I know that you give God a tenth because it says I trust God. I know tithing's not under the law. Tithing's under grace. So I don't, I don't tithe because I have to. I tithe because I get to. We can know all the same. We can know all of that. But it doesn't mean we tithe. We can know it when it comes to, to praying for the sick. Or laying hands on the sick. Actually, he says lay hands on the sick. He doesn't say pray for the sick. He said you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But we know these truths. He said, given it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It, he's, we know. He said, freely you've received, so freely give. We know those things. But if we don't act on those things, when he prompts us, and that doesn't mean we walk around doing that all the time. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, right? So when we feel, when we, God plants a word in our heart, then he quickens in our heart that we should do something with that word, and we choose not to, that's when it's dormant. Just like Peter, he started on the word, and he took his eyes off of the word. The same thing is true in us. Today is communion. So I'm going to ask if you guys will, whoever's going to help you, Dad, if you'll get ready. uh, We're going to receive communion this morning. As we do, you know, as I read through 1 Corinthians, all this today was not even where I wanted to go. So it was free for somebody. Somebody needed it. I did. It encouraged me. But where I really wanted to go was 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The reason I read all of 1 Corinthians is because I wanted to get to chapter 12 where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts in the body for the purpose of that. It talks about it in Ephesians 4. It talks about it in Romans. And it talks about it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It talks about the body. Because what I want us to understand is this, that it takes all of us. Listen. Listen, everybody here, I'm not finished yet. I had not even said I'm closing. (laughs) It takes all of us to do what Jesus has called us to do here on the earth. Because he said, don't let the hand say to the foot, I don't have any need of you. So he's placed in the body different gifts. There are people in this body who have different strengths. There are people in this body who operate with an evangelistic anointing. And what that means is they offend most people. You know why? You know why? You want to know why? Would you like to know? I'd like to tell you. You know why an evangelist offends most people? Because an evangelist is not going to just sit in the church and think everything's okay. An evangelist has a passion in their heart for the lost to be born again and for the sick to be healed and for lives to be changed. Now, that doesn't mean that they're five-fold, a five-fold evangelists, but what it means if there's an evangelistic gifting on the inside of them, they are most of the time miserable in the church because they feel like we need to be outside of the church doing something. I know some evangelists that are of that five-fold gifting of evangelists, and here's what I know about them. If I tried to make them come in and pastor a church and do discipleship and everything like that, you know what I would do? I would wound the body of Christ. I would, I would hinder them... And I would make them miserable. And you know what? They're going to produce miserable people. Because that's not, their gifting is to be, I mean, I know people. And when I I look at these people, one of them, I've shared this before, Tim in the DR that we partner with a lot when we go to the DR. Tim and Trina Johnson. 
I've watched this man, uh, how he passionately, I've heard his testimony of how, and I've shared this, he took his family when his kids were little, like Tish's age, took his family to China to flush Bibles on a train because theirs goes straight out on the ground and the underground church would come up. But do you understand? He came in with duffel bags full of Bibles. If he had been caught, he and his family would have went to jail. Do you hear me? He and his kids would have went to jail in China. But he said, these people need the Word of God, and it's my responsibility. It's been given to me this opportunity, so it doesn't matter. I've got to do this. His wife also has to understand that call on his life. Because the average woman would look at him and say, you have lost your mind. If you want to go to China and go to jail, have at it, big boy. I'm gonna, I've got a spirit of intercession on me. I'm going to stay here in the States with my kids and pray for you. Oh, don't shout me down, mamas. I know what's right. Tell them, honey. Get an amen right there. That makes no sense. Do you hear me? To take your kids on a train and go to the bathroom on the train and flush Bibles, knowing if you get caught on the train with those Bibles, you can go to jail. And they don't, In China. I'm not talking about a charge for loitering in the U.S. I'm talking about propagating the gospel where it's against the law and forbidden. Anybody hear me? <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. To say, God, this is what you want me to do. That's a call. And if we don't understand that in the body, we all suffer. If you don't understand your gifting, and this is my passion as we go into this year. It's my passion for, to help you understand what your gift is so we can do what God's called us to do. Because when you're flowing in your gift, you're the most fulfilled and satisfied, and you're the most willing to bring others along with you. Yes, and what he's done. Take a moment to remember who he is.